So, welcome back to those of you who were at camp. Welcome back to those of you who weren't at camp because none of us were here last week. So it's, it's good that everybody's back. Tonight, like I said, is exciting because we're kicking off our series of summer devotions through 2 Timothy. If you remember last year, we went through 1 Timothy, so now we're doing 2 Timothy. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1 if you haven't already. But like we usually do around here, we're taking a step back from our ordinary format uh, for the summer. Instead of Nick, Zach, and I teaching our way through this book, we're going to see a whole army of dudes up here uh, teaching devotions from the passages in 2 Timothy. Uh, for some of these guys, it's going to be their first time doing anything like this. And so that's exciting. That's fun. This is, a, this is a cool thing to do over the summer. And so before we get started, I just thought it would be good to let you know kind of what to expect each week. As we work our way through 2 Timothy, we'll be having a 15 to 20 minute devotion over a core concept in the passage that we're looking at. Um, and so these devotions are in, aren't intended to be exhaustive doctrinal studies. We just don't have time for that in 15 to 20 minutes. But each week we'll probably just focus on a devotional application or two uh, and then we'll meet in discussion groups similar to what we've done in previous years to discuss how we can apply what we've learned. But the book of 2 Timothy actually lends itself really well to this kind of study because if you're familiar with, with Paul's writing, he, he wrote most of the New Testament, you're probably aware that much of what Paul wrote contained very long and complex sentences with like, you know, 10 verses per sentence. It's just a lot of long stuff that he wrote. And while there's certainly a beauty in those sentences and what they communicate, they'd be a little tricky to dissect and decipher what he's saying sometimes. That's why Bible study is so important in those cases. But 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul ever wrote, at least the letters he wrote that made it into the Bible. Maybe he wrote a, an epistle to George and uh, that didn't make the cut. But you can tell that Paul was getting older when he wrote this letter, because it's full of really short, choppy sentences that are just way easier to break down. But because uh, of those short sentences, this letter is actually great for shorter devotions and discussions like we're going to do this summer. Uh, but just because the sentences are short, it doesn't mean that what Paul has to say in this letter is any less important than in his other letters. It just means he was a little older. Um, on the contrary, in some ways, you can consider this letter to be Paul's last words, and, and that's what we're calling our series this summer. And, you know, we say that tongue-in-cheek because this letter certainly doesn't contain Paul's last words he ever spoke. The book of Acts goes on to record uh, what Paul said up to his death. But like I said, this letter contains, as far as we know, Paul's final written words. And specifically, it's, it, this letter contains Paul's final words to his disciple, Timothy. And in our culture, in most cultures, we value a person's final words before they pass from this life. You know, the, the famous line in just about every movie is, got any last words they say before they kill the hero, but then the hero, you know, says something that isn't their last words. Um, it's just something you hear a lot if you watch movies or TV shows when someone's about to die. Uh, their last words are important, and in some ways we expect a person's last words to somehow sum up their entire life experience or, or pass on all their wisdom uh, that they have to people who will go on after they die. Um, and while that's certainly not true, you, you can't really surmise someone's entire life based on their final words. There's just something about 2 Timothy that seems to do a good job of summarizing what it means to give one's life to ministry. And that's something that Paul obviously did. So in that way, it does kind of give us a cool summary. And we'll see on our passage tonight why Paul's last words to Timothy should be important to us. So let's read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, Paul, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus, or in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. And so there's a lot that we could dig in into this passage tonight, but, but for tonight I just want to focus on how this simple introduction of this letter to Timothy, from Paul to Timothy, communicates that Paul understood the legacy he would be leaving behind when he drew his last breath. And as we dig through, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to make that particular application to us, because each of us, whether we realize it or not, will have a legacy that we leave behind when we too draw our final breath. Because none of us are going to be here forever, but Paul understood that the work he did in this life would have a lasting impact even after his life was over. And ultimately, I think that's what each of us would want too, if we're really honest and think about it. Maybe you haven't thought much about it, but I promise you will as you get older, and hopefully you will tonight. How will your life make a difference in our world even after your life is over? Maybe you don't even think that's possible. Sure, that was the case with Paul, but he was like a big deal, right? He wrote most of the Bible. How could my life ever make that big of an impact? Well, let's just examine Paul's legacy, and I promise before we're done with our study this summer, you'll see that your life can have a lasting legacy as well. So let's just break down this introduction. First, let's look at number one, the author. Every letter has an author, someone who wrote it. So before we dig into this letter, let's make sure we understand the man that Paul was. And that'll help us as we begin to process and understand the legacy that he left behind. Well, when we first meet Paul in the Bible, he was actually not a good dude. He was actually a pretty bad dude that, that you wouldn't want to meet. Uh, we meet him in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, and it says, And Saul, that was his name before uh, it got changed to Paul, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Stephen was the disciple that, or was the deacon that had just been killed for preaching the word of God. And verse 3, And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. So, not a great guy. He's a bad dude. He was busting into Christians' homes, he was beating people for believing in Jesus, and he was throwing them in prison for it. Definitely not a guy you'd want to run into, especially if he knew you were a Christian. For sure what you would call a sinner, right? Like, he, he wasn't great. Well, the best part about Jesus' sacrifice for sins on the cross is that sinners can be forgiven no matter how grave their sins may be. So even though he was a bad dude, meeting Jesus Christ changed his life because meeting Jesus Christ changes a person as they're washed from their sins when they give their life to him and accept his payment for their sins. And Paul, who was still called Saul, met Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 9. Acts 9 verse 3 says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Verse 4, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the story continues if you drop down to Acts 9 verse 17. It says, and Ananias, and Ananias sorry, went his way and entered into the house 
and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And so obviously Paul's life did a complete 180 after he met Jesus. Instead of persecuting Christians, he became a Christian. Instead of hating people who followed Jesus, he now considered them brothers and sisters. Jesus changed everything about Paul's life, just like Jesus changed everything about your life and my life if you have a relationship with him. Now, instead of traveling around and hunting Christians, Paul spent his time walking around making Christians. He spent his life in ministry, winning people to Christ, making disciples, and planting churches. And verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 1 calls Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ because he was sent by Jesus with a job to do. That's what the word apostle means. It means one who is sent. And we see him being sent in Acts 13. Acts 13, 1 through 3, saying, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So Paul and this guy Barnabas were sent by the Holy Ghost in their church to do the Lord's work. And in so doing, Paul planted something like 20 churches throughout his life on his missionary journeys in different areas of the regions he he visited. That's a lot of churches. And he obviously couldn't lead all those churches at the same time. He was just one dude. So he trained other men to lead those churches, and that freed him up to move on and plant more churches. Timothy is just one example of a leader that Paul trained. In this first letter to Timothy, Paul tells him, or yeah, in 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 4, it says, And as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. So Paul left Timothy in Ephesus when he went on to Macedonia. That's what he would do. He would find a guy he could trust and leave him at the church he was leaving to go start a new one. He left him to lead the church in Ephesus and make sure that correct doctrine was taught in that church. But we'll talk more about Timothy in a bit. But notice that Paul considered these men he trained to be his sons in the faith. That's what he calls Timothy in the opening of this letter. He calls him his son in the faith. And that doesn't mean he gave birth to him. It doesn't even mean he gave birth to him spiritually. It doesn't even mean he led him to the Lord. It just means he raised them. In, in, in their spiritual maturity, the way a father is supposed to raise his children in physical maturity. He raised Timothy spiritually. Proverbs tells us what you're supposed to do with your children. In Proverbs 22.6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So spiritually, Paul accomplished this principle in the life of Timothy and many others as well. He trained them so that they could continue doing the work that he started. Because as great as Paul was, there was only one Paul. Paul could never have planted 20 churches if he also had to lead every church he planted. There's just not enough time in a day. Sure, he would have been the first leader at any church that he started, but, but he understood that if that church was to last, well, he had to train a leader to take his place. And this was such a pivotal part of his ministry that Paul told Timothy to do the same thing with his life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. 
We'll cover that passage in a month or so, but, but realize that Paul told Timothy to train other faithful men the way that Paul had trained him because Paul understood the importance of his legacy, not because he was vainly focusing on the difference that he could make and what he could build for himself, but because he was focused on doing the work of the Lord that he was sent to do. He was sent to plant churches, and the only way those churches were going to last was if he trained leaders. And if Paul hadn't trained other men like Timothy to continue during the, doing the work that he was sent to do, man, any work that Paul would have been doing would have stopped at the end of Paul's life, right? But the work of the Lord is just too important to tie it to the fate of any one person. So Paul dedicated himself to training others to do that work as well. Not only could more work get done because there were more fit laborers, but, but the work continues after Paul dies. And, and if you think about it, the work that Paul started continues to this very day. Have you ever thought about all the work that had to get done throughout history just for you to be able to sit where you're sitting right now? Paul trained men like Timothy, who trained other faithful men, who trained other faithful men. If these faithful men hadn't continued to train more faithful men, would there be any faithful men today? Of course there wouldn't be. The work of the Lord would have stopped, and neither you nor I would, would be saved or a part of a church that's doing the work of the Lord. Paul understood the importance of this work, so he trained others to train others. And he invested heavily in Timothy and in his ministry so that Timothy would become an effective minister just like him. He invested in him through teaching. We saw that in 2 Timothy 2.2. He invested in him by modeling for him what ministry looks like. We can see that in 1 Thessalonians 3.2. Um, he says, And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning our faith. Paul calls Timothy his fellow laborer because Paul labored with him so Timothy could see what laboring for the Lord really looks like. And in verse 3 of our passage, we see that Paul invested in Timothy through prayer. And in 1 Timothy 4, we see that Paul invested in him by trusting him with the responsibility to lead the church in Ephesus. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And that laying on of hands was a symbolic gesture. If you remember, we talked about it um, not that long ago, actually. Um, it's that symbolic gesture that recognized that authority to pastor the church in Ephesus was being transferred to Timothy. And that was probably the ultimate investment that Paul made into Timothy's ministry because it involved recognizing that Timothy was trained and ready for the level of responsibility and ministry that Paul had been doing up to that point. At that point, man, Paul had trained Timothy so that he was so fit to be able to do that job that he could have done it just as well as Paul did. But now that we understand who Paul was as the author of this letter, it's clear that he understands the importance of leaving a legacy for the Lord. Well, let's look at the recipient. That's number two. And obviously, Timothy was the recipient of this letter. It's who the letter was addressed to. So once again, we're reading Timothy's mail, which should be illegal, but it's old mail. I think there's a statute of limitations. Um, but we just need to understand a bit about who Timothy was as a willing participant in Paul's ministry because the only reason Paul was able to train Timothy is because Timothy allowed himself to be trained by Paul. And we meet Timothy in Acts 16. Um, and maybe you've read this before and kind of breezed over this, but this lets you in on how willing Timothy was. Acts 16, 1 through 3 says, Then came he to Derby and Lystra, talking about Paul, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, 
him would Paul have forth to go have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all or for they knew all that his father was a Greek. So from verse three onward, Paul took Timothy with him to minister. And this verse also lets us know how willing Timothy was to sacrifice for the, verse, for the, for the work of the Lord. Man, notice in, in verse 3 that Timothy was circumcised so he could minister to the Jews. That's a big ask for a grown man. But Timothy wasn't just willing to serve. We see elsewhere that he was willing to learn. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So man, as Timothy was growing up, he was trained in the scriptures. He learned them and used them. Of course, that discipline would allow Paul to build on that with further training in the scriptures, especially as the New Testament was being written. So Timothy was willing to minister, and he was willing to learn. And overall, he just proved himself to be faithful to what the Lord asked him to do. That's what Paul gets at in verse 5 of, of 2 Timothy chapter 1, when he talks about the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Sure, that faith started with the faith of his mother and the faith of his grandmother, but man, he made that faith his own and, and proved to Paul that he was a faithful man. That's why Paul tells Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 2, 2 to find faithful men to invest in because those are the men that are going to be willing and able to make the same investment into others. And it's only because of Timothy's faithfulness that Paul was able to turn him, in the, him into the leader he needed to be so that the work of the Lord could continue. But man, understand, we're talking about Paul's legacy, his lasting legacy. When, when we're talking about that, man, we're really talking about Timothy and the other faithful men like him. Because without that, Paul would just be a character in the Bible who did some cool things. But man, because he it made those investments into Timothy and those other guys, man, we're, we're able to be here today and enjoy the, the fruits of what they've worked on forever because we're a part of a Bible-believing church who seeks to do the work of the Lord. We're talking about the men that Paul invested in because he turned those men into leaders and ministers, and those are the men that continued to do that work long after Paul was, was able to. So in Timothy, we really see one example of Paul's true legacy. Sure, Paul did some cool stuff. He ministered and saw people come to get saved. He started churches. But the only reason any of that survived beyond Paul's life was because he trained men like Timothy to take his place when he was gone. And in the book of 2 Timothy, we find Paul's last words to Timothy, and he's clearly seeking to solidify his legacy by ensuring that Timothy's work would be as effective as it could possibly be. So man, as we wrap up this, this first devotion and kick off this series, make no mistake, Paul understood how important training men like Timothy was. That's why he told Timothy to spend his life doing the same thing. And that means we really ought to pay attention to what Paul tells Timothy in this letter. Because in it, we find instructions on being, uh, being the minister of the Lord that Paul wanted Timothy to be and eventually was. That should make us consider what each of us wants our legacy to be and what impact we want our lives to have even when our time on this earth is over. So man, ask yourself, how will things be different in our world because of the way you chose to live your life? Or better yet, how will things be different in heaven because of the way you chose to live your life? These are the questions we have to be asking ourselves as we dig into this letter of instructions in ministry. My prayer is that our time together in 2 Timothy this summer will shape your personal involvement in the ministry of our church. Hopefully you'll consider how your legacy can continue Paul's legacy. 
And one day when we meet the Lord face to face, we can see all the amazing things God was able to accomplish in our lives because we chose to be faithful. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this summer, and I thank you so much for this group of people, and I thank you so much for this study. I just pray that, uh, man, as we, as we dig into this book, that, uh, man, you just make it clear to us what it is you expect of us. Because Paul made it clear what he expected of Timothy, and we know how Timothy turned out. Timothy was a faithful minister who continued to grow and continued to serve you to the end of his life. And so, Lord, we want that to be true of us as well. So, Lord, I just pray that you'd use this summer and use this study to to just shape our involvement in ministry and shape our understanding of our lives in, in your plan and figure out what it is you want from us so that, so that ultimately we can glorify you as much as we possibly can. Uh, Lord, when it comes right down to it, that's what we want. So we ask that you use our, your word to guide us and, and just ask that you guide us in our application of it as we, as we study Second Timothy every week. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.